Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, I just want to let you know about an amazing company, an amazing product that we use in our home every day. The company is Ballish Woodwork. It is owned by my friend Kurt Ballish. He makes homemade woodworks. And for my wife, which you know I love and adore, last Mother's Day, I got her a homemade cutting board made by Kurt and is the only cutting board that we will use in our home. So if you guys love homemade woodwork and you would love to make a piece maybe for your wife, maybe a chessboard, maybe something special for your home, Definitely check out BalishWoodworks.com. Tell them that Richard and Vertical Momentum sent you guys. Have an amazing day. Remember, Vertical Momentum, the only way to go is but up. Another episode of Vertical Momentum, the number one vetpreneur podcast in the world. I am your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, this is going to be an amazing episode. Um, if you love talking, hearing about leadership, trying be the best you can be, the best husband, they're just being the best you can be. Our friend Dom is going to be talking to us about everything, leadership, military, business, family. And when I need motivation, he's the one that I go to. So guys, make sure you subscribe, listen, share, and leave a comment. Because if you do leave a comment, we are going to give be giving away a special gift this month. Mr. Dom, how are you doing, my friend? Outstanding, brother. How are you doing this morning? Oh, man, I'm so excited to have you on. Um, I actually got to watch some of your stuff, what you some of the stuff you did in the last couple of days. So how's your day going? Hey, I'm on, I'm, I'm on this side of the dirt, so it's going fantastic. I love it. So uh, a lot of people don't know you uh, yet on my show, but they're going to get to know you. Um, Tell us a little bit about who you are and then what you do. And then I, w- I want to go way back, hop in the way back machine. And I want to go back to when you were a little kid and what you, little Dom was like. Um, ex-cop, prior military. I uh, did 15 years in the corporate space. Leadership development is what I did mostly, uh, at, at least the last on the last stretch of my uh, corporate tenure. And then uh, I jumped into the, the coaching uh, speaking space. And I've been coaching and speaking probably five, six years prior to leaving, but uh, I decided four and a half years ago that I wanted to start my own business. And I had uh, a good book of business and I made that transition after I wrote my book, which is called Think, React, Lead, uh, when success and accomplishments aren't enough. I already had a pretty substantial podcast and social media following and, um, you know, living the mantra, change one life every day for the rest of my life. So that's in a nutshell, that is what I'm doing. I've got a radio show here in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, called the Think React Lead Radio Show. Every branding's huge for me, as it should be for most people. If you want to um, become the obvious choice in the industry or space that you're in, and like I said, that's that's a uh, high level overview. Now you had an amazing uh, guest recently, didn't you? I had who? I'm sorry. You had an amazing guest recently, didn't you? Um, I haven't had a guest probably in the last three episodes. Are you talking about anybody in particular? 
Nope. I'm just, you know, who, who the last couple, you know, some, somebody that somebody might know that you've actually sat on stage with the last couple of weeks. Um, on stage or on the radio show? Radio show. Um, <clears throat> most people that are on my show, people aren't going to know. Um, the last three people, uh, one was a Delta, a Delta Force guy uh, out of the Army. And then the last and two were Green Berets. So these aren't people that, uh, you know, have a huge social media following. And my radio show, I honestly, getting people on that everybody knows, that I, those aren't fun interviews for me. I like to get people on that are going to be very real in their conversation. And uh, those are just the kind of people that I align myself with. Uh, and it, it, it makes it for a much more fun interview and more engaging interview as opposed to a canned interview. I love that. And, you know, like, I think that's what makes me different because I don't ask questions that everybody else asks. You know, I want to have a real conversation like me and you just sitting down, having a cup of coffee together. Mm-hmm. So talk to us about, you know, coming up as a kid. What was little Dom like? Uh, he was a busybody. You know, he, I was born in 78. So growing up in the 80s. It was a lot of uh, Chuck Norris, Delta Force, A-Team, Rambo, uh, just like every, you know, most little boys in my neighborhood. You just running and gunning, having fun. And, you know, I, I knew by the time I was 10 that I'd be in the military. I knew by the time I was 13, I'd be a cop. Uh, and those were my life goals. Those those were my dream. I dreamt as a kid of being in the military. I dreamt as a kid of being a cop. So I, I, I focused my attention on that. Uh, both my parents were prior military. And it, you know, everybody I've known since I was a kid, they knew that I would be in the military. Um, I stuttered most of my life, so it kept me kind of quiet. I didn't stop stuttering until I was about 20 to be specific. But from the age of like six to 20, I stuttered. So it's uh, I friends I talk to now from when I was a child, like I would have never guessed you'd be a radio show host or I'd never guessed you'd be a speaking coach. But, you know, when you are quiet. And I think this operates in our adult life as well. But when, when you're quiet, you're able to listen and you're able to learn. And that learning phase or space is what allows you to bridge the gap between your mind and your heart to have a better understanding of what it is you want to do with the rest of your life um, to actually enjoy it and appreciate it. Now, when you were a kid, if you had both parents were in the military, did you move around a lot? Um, No, they got out when I was in first grade. So uh, I lived in Japan until I was about five and I moved to the States at the age of five and I started or six, maybe. And I started first grade, if I'm not mistaken here and, uh, or not here, but in California. So once I hit second or third grade, they were out of the military. Now, were you a good student and a good athlete or a good athlete? I was definitely a good athlete and I was only a good student when I was playing sports. Other than that, I didn't really have, I didn't care about school. <clears throat> so I was a, an, an average student at, at best. And I, you know, I made the grades that I needed to make to play the sports that I like to play. Now, what sports were you involved in? Uh, I ran cross country and I ran uh, track. Okay. So no, you know, I've talked to you now hundreds of um, high level performers and some Navy SEALs and Delta command, you know, Delta force. And, and a lot of those guys say they either ran track or they wrestled. And cause it took a lot of discipline And usually if, you know, if you fail at running or if you fail and and you get pinned, it's your fault. It's your responsibility. And they think they said that that helped them a lot in their career. So what about the discipline 
for, you know, doing long distance running and knowing that, you know, if you fail, it's on you. It's not on the team. You know, one thing I learned about cross country is that uh, there's nobody in the stands because there's no stands. It's a, you know, it's a three mile and change race and you're usually by yourself in the middle of nowhere and you have to be the one to root yourself on um, and you have to chase, you know, the next person that might be directly in front of you or maybe, uh, you know, 50 yards ahead of you, but you, you have to run them down. And just like life, you know, nobody's going to be around to cheer you on. Nobody owes you an applaud uh, or an applause. Nobody <clears throat> is going to be there to apologize for the way you grew up. You got to, you know, embrace the suck and you got to do it on your own. So cross country taught me a lot about endurance and and playing the long game. I love that. And I love when you say embrace the suck because that's that's one of my friend John McCaskill, his, his newest book. And that's something that. I really love is that that book. Um, so now talk to us because I love everybody's recruiting story because everybody has a different recruiting story. What was it like with what was your recruiting story like? You know, I don't really remember. It was simple, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember my recruiter's name. Um, my recruiter was just somebody that I needed to talk to to get into the military. So the barrier, uh, I, I, the obstacle was so small that it, it wasn't uh, noticeable for me. Um, I don't even remember, remember what my recruiter looked like because my eye was on um, what I was going to look like once I, you know, once I started doing my job in the military. I was K-9 in the Air Force. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't I don't have a crazy recruiting story because I went in knowing what I wanted. And I knew I was smart. Like I scored, I had a decent score on the ASVAB and I could pick what I wanted to do. So I did just that. But what made you choose the Air Force in particular? Uh, it was chosen for me. My parents were Air Force. Oh, okay, so that was that was just ingrained in you, huh? Yeah, yeah, it was. So how was it? You know, because a lot of people that you know they hear about Kate, you know, um, the relationship between you know the animals and the handlers. So what is the the relationship like? You know, when you're when you're handling a canine and you become a team. That's exactly it's, that's exactly what it what it is. It's a relationship. When, when I've gone on deployments, um, my dog Clint, it was, I didn't spend a lot of time around people uh, just because you get sent to the desert and it's it is literally just it's just just you. It's just you and your dog Clint. But you become one, not one, but you 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 and your dog or myself and Clint. We just became we came became a unit like we just became a solid relationship wherever I went he went um even to this day I still have love for dogs uh but it's um yeah it, it was it it was fun he made it he made a great partner and again it's that being by yourself he's, he's not a human at the end of the day so it was everything landed on my shoulders I couldn't blame anything on my dog if something didn't you know didn't go right things got squirrely so yeah, we we got deployed a lot and uh, we had a good bond. And, you know, he he, he didn't come with me when I got out of the military because he he was an, an attack dog. And, yeah, I was I was too, too young to handle that kind of responsibility. But, yeah, we had a very good relationship. Now, how many years did you do in the military? Oh, I just did four. OK, so obviously you said you were deployed a, a couple times. Yeah. So. When you got, you know, when you got back home, did you know, did you come back okay? Or did you notice anything was a little off 
mentally? I, I was always off mentally. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I didn't notice until much later down the line, but I was in during a time when there was no, we weren't at war. Things weren't happening the way they are now. So yeah, I was, I had a good, good time. I was in from uh 96 to 2000. Uh, you know, I went in, did my thing and then I got out and that's when I got into law enforcement. Now, was that just a natural progression to go into law enforcement? Um, I wouldn't say natural. I think for me, it was a choice. Everybody doesn't get out and go into law enforcement, but for me, it was a, uh, a, a choice. It was, it was part of my plan. I knew I was going to be a cop when I got out of the military before I even joined the military. So did you enjoy being a police officer and what, what did you enjoy about it the most? Um, I enjoyed being able to help people. Definitely. Uh, it was, uh, it was, <clears throat> I've never gone into a job thinking I need to enjoy this. I think that's a problem with many people today is they, they, they do things with the expectations that they need to enjoy it. I enjoy, I enjoy boating. I enjoy racing motorcycles with my wife. I I enjoy having fun, but that was a job and it was a job that I wanted to do. And I, I liked the job, but I knew I wasn't going to do it forever. I think that's a young man's game. And I, I, I did it for as long as I wanted to do it. And I've always been the type of person that uh, once I don't feel it in my bones, I stop doing it. I've been like that since I was a kid. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't run experiences into the ground. I do them and then I leave. Okay. So, but there was a particular moment when you had to make a, a really split second decision. And that altered your life and your 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 decisions on being a police officer. Can you take us back to that time? You know, I uh, and I'll be very brief because I don't really talk about that story anymore. Um, but in 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 short, and I the reason why I don't because I've I've overdone the story and it doesn't. As a speaker coach, one thing I've I've learned, well, I've I teach people this is you tell your story up to the number of times that you tell it, and then you stop and you move on because. It doesn't help your audience, but high level overview. I was in a position to take a man's life as a police officer and I, I opted not to. Um, I was in the right to do so, but uh, I didn't. And I'm glad I didn't. But it um, it, it taught me a, a couple things uh, that it's 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 easy to take a person's life, but it's not easy to change a person's life. And in that moment, I, I it was I came to the realization that. I wasn't put on this earth to take lives. I was put on this earth to save lives. And uh, shortly thereafter, I, I put my two weeks notice in and that was a game changer for me. So it, it's that uh, moment of clarity that many people search for. I just so happen to be open to it in that moment. And, you know, it, I, I'm glad I can live the rest of my life knowing that I didn't kill a man in front of his three, his three little boys. Yeah, I, and I, I truly love and I appreciate that. So, you know, now I, you know, when, you know, I, we talked to a lot of, of veterans, um, first responders, a lot of times when they're no longer in uniform, they kind of don't have a mission. Um, and they kind of, you know, they miss the relationships that they built. Cause really, you know, like one of our friends on in the group says, you know, Sergeant Nick says, once you step off base, you know, the military doesn't really give a crap about you. 
And I was talking to another police officer yesterday and he said the same thing when he got hurt on duty. And when he had to retire, the phone stopped ringing and that's when he had to figure out who he was. So what was your thought process and mindset the day you, you finally gave up the badge? You know, I, I've always been Dom Fawcett. I didn't, I didn't miss the military when I got out. I didn't miss law enforcement when I got out because I always had a plan. Um, I've all, I, I was I was brought up at the age. By the time I was 11 years old, I wasn't allowed to say I don't know uh, when talking to my parents. And what that taught me was to know. So when I before I left law enforcement, I had a, jo- a pretty legit job lined up in uh, mortgage sales. So I left Jackson, Mississippi. Um, Left the, I took my bed or I, you know, turned the badge in, if you will, and got here. And my focus was on what, what am I going to do next? And I think a lot of people focus on their past. Uh, and I can see, you know, veterans doing that because it's, it was their heyday, right? It was the best time of their life. But if you plan for your future to be the best part of your life, then you have something to work toward and you have to, something to look forward to. Uh, so when I got out of law enforcement, I was done with law enforcement. Uh, there's people to this day that have known me for 10 years that un- unless they're really into my social media, they don't even know I was a cop because I don't it didn't make me. It was just part of my story, as it will always be. Uh, I enjoyed what I did, but it doesn't. I was somebody before I put the uniform on and the uniform was just something that I needed to do to do my job. It was a requirement. It was part of the policies and procedures, like you had to wear your uniform. So I was just following orders, but those orders didn't dictate my my life. And I think a lot of people struggle with what they used to be. That's why you're hearing a lot of guys that played sports in college. You're 40 years old, still talking about what you did in college. Nobody cares, right? People are stronger, faster than you, or you haven't been in the military in 20 years. Nobody cares. Like what people care about is what you should be focused on, which is what's your next move? What are you going to do for yourself? What are you going to do to stay happy? So it didn't it didn't bother me giving up that stuff because it wasn't mine to begin with. They the city paid for the uniform. The city paid for the badge. They let me lease it or use it while I was employed by them. Once I'm no, no longer employed, it's theirs. I love that. So now you go into mortgages. You go into the private sector. What are some of the things that you think that you've learned in the military in the, and, and the police department that helped you in sales? I know discipline has to, is, is one of them. So talk to us, you know, what kind of skills translate when you're going into sales or management from the military? Effective communication, um, having a plan. Uh, one of my mantras that I still use, used to use, which is how my company got started, was think as an executive, react like a soldier and lead. Um, being in the military, being law enforcement, it allows me not to, to struggle with making decisions. It allows me to spend a very minimal amount of time on what needs to be done uh, for the greater outcome or the expectations of the company that I'm working for at the time or the mission that's at hand. I do it and don't question myself because at the end of the day, once I got into the corporate space, I'm not getting shot at. Like Nothing that I will ever do from here on out will change the way the world turns or cause somebody, if I make a mistake, cause them their life or cost them their life. So being in the military taught me the simple things, right? How to lead. It gave me a very global perspective. It allowed me to 
uh, be more diverse in my thought patterns and my speaking or my uh, engagement with individuals, have an understanding outside of myself, um, time management, right? It allowed me to focus on the, the ins and outs of the mission that's required to be completed. So now you were in the private sector for how long before starting your own company? I'd say 15 years, give or take a year or two. So, you know, um, I was, I just interviewed Mr. Uh, Tony Watley last mm-hmm. night and we were talking and he said, the number one thing is just do it. A lot of people will go to seminars, they'll read books year, year, year after year and never just do what they, what they need to do. So talk to us about the day where you decided, all right, it's time for me to do what I got to do and what I want to do. You know, I never thought about being self-employed. It never crossed my mind. I've always had two two jobs. Um, so me working for a company, I had a very good salary. I had, you know, I had the toys. I had fun. Uh, I thought I'd be there for until retirement. I just so happened to coach people in my spare time because I wanted something to do when I got off of work. Um, and I would coach people where I would be asked to go speak different places. And one day my boss comes into work and he said, Dom, I, I, I heard the news this morning and I, I was watching Fox and I heard your voice like you were on news. He said, let me explain something to you. That's not normal. Like being a corporate guy and then being on the news and being in, at the time I was an author. Uh, to me, it was normal. So I hadn't I just, you know, what else am I going to do with my spare time? Make money. It just makes sense and help people at the same time. Uh, and he suggested, hey, you ever thought about just kind of like doing your own thing? I said, no, I never thought about it because I'm making a nice salary. So I like the money and anything I was making, you know, it was going to Jeep parts or it was going to vacations. It was going to our Ducati racing. So it just went to my fun pile. And uh, then after that conversation, I got I kind of got serious and I, I thought about leaving. And then I asked my dad, I said, hey, because he's self-employed and has been for some time. Said, I'm thinking about leaving my job to do this full time. And his response to me said, he said, if, if you can't handle the handful of clients that you have, the couple of speaking engagements that you you've got and the 50 hours a week that you're doing at, at work, if if you can't handle that, if that's taking up too much of your time, then you'll never be able to handle being a millionaire. So I thought about it and I, I stuck around for another six to nine months. And when I had a larger book of business and I didn't need to ask if it's a good time for me to go. I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make is they they ask, uh, you think I should leave my job? If you got to ask, stay. You don't don't leave. Uh, so once I got to a point where I didn't need to ask anybody, it was, I just knew in my gut, followed my intuition, made the decision and I left. Uh, that's when I knew it was time. It was time to go. But I had already built a brand. I had already hired coaches. I had already had coaching clients. I was already getting paid to speak. So I didn't just leave not knowing what to do. I had a game. I had a five year game plan when I, I left and I'm four years into it. Now my, I interviewed Mike Fallett the other day and he, he's, he's um, owns one of the biggest um, book companies in the world. And we were t- he was talking about everybody should write a book. Everybody has a story to tell. And, you know, I didn't realize, but he said, you know, the word author is short for the word authority. So talk to us about writing your book and, and what was, why did you write the book and how was it writing your, your first book? Um, you know, it was, I say it was easy, but again, I compartmentalize things. It was just a, a, a task. It was part of my five-year plan to be an author. Uh, the mistake that I, I made, and I'll, I'll get back to your question, was not celebrating 
uh, the day my book launched or the day that I became a best-selling author. I was, uh, I was in, in the gym uh, on a flat bench with some dumbbells on my second set. And I got a, a message um, from a company that I was working with to write the book. And they said, you know, hey, I don't know if you saw this or not, but you're finally a best-selling author. And I looked at it. I said, thanks, exclamation mark, put the phone down and got back to, you know, got back to working out. Um, and that's because for me, it was just a, a task. It was something that I felt I needed to do to add to my credibility uh, as a speaker and as an executive coach. But I, I worked with a guy, um, his name escapes me, or the name of the company escapes me off the top of my head, but I worked with him uh, to get the book done. And I, I use it as training materials. And again, the name of the book is called Think, React, Lead, when success and accomplishments aren't enough, it's on Amazon. But I use it as a speaker, as training material, um, because when you go into some companies will uh, tell you they don't have a large budget to pay for a speaker, uh, which is fine. So I'll say, hey, but, you know, what's your training budget look like? We can you got your company can buy books and I'll speak from the book. So the experience with the book has been fantastic. Um, has it helped me? As a speaker, I don't know because I do a lot of stuff. I'm a radio show host. That helps as a speaker. I think everything that we do, uh, for those of you that are listening that want to be a speaker or are a, 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 a speaker, I think all of the things that we do add to our credibility. Like I'm on social media every single day, multiple times a day. I'm also on, the, you know, being on the news helps. Having a radio show helps. Having a book helps. So you never know what makes a person say, I want to hire this guy or gal, or I want to hire this, this, this speaker. So do all the things and become the obvious choice. So the experience with the book was fantastic. I in, in enjoyed it. And um, I'm sure in the next two, two years, I'll write another one. And I can't wait. I love your first book. It's one of my favorites that I have. And it, I keep it by the, um, the nightstand. Uh, so, thank you, sir. Of course, uh, you know, I, I got to do my due diligence. If I don't, then uh, something's wrong. So now for, there's a lot of people out there that want to be speakers, but they just don't know how. And they think I could just get on the stage and start talking to people. And that, that's just not the way it is. So can you talk to us about how you first started out speaking and what you did to get better? You know, I I think somebody can get on stage and just start talking. Um because when I talk to an audience, I just talk to them the way I mean, I'm talking to you. I mean, it's a little bit more structured, but it's still a conversation nonetheless. Uh, I think people just don't know themselves well enough and they they look at too many examples of other speakers and they try to emulate those examples that they're looking at. But um, I don't think there's there's one place that I started speaking. I, I grew up in the church. So being in children's church and having to speak uh, and my children's church instructor, um, Sister McGinnis, she didn't care that I stuttered. She forced me to talk. And you know, it may, it may have taken me 15 minutes to say two sentences, but she forced, she forced me to talk. So that experience um, kind of got me out of my comfort zone. And then um, speaking, when I was a cop, I would speak at different schools. And I spoke at different schools just so I could relate to the kids in the neighborhood because these are the same kids that come home at night to see their parents murdered, to see their parents you know, with drugs, see their parents fighting. So I wanted to have a stronger stake in the community um, and it, it, it helped me as a police officer speaking at schools because when I would show up on calls, the kids in the house, hey, that's Officer Fawcett. Um, so I, I, I spoke there just to encourage the kids. And I spoke 
um, at a couple different places in the military. And then when I got into the corporate space, um, I had teams. So I would have to do team meetings, you know, probably weekly. And I would stand in front of the audience and speak to them. So I, I think people discount their life. People that want to be speakers discount their life experience. Um, and they just say, oh, man, public speaking, I want to I want to get into it. Well, you've been doing it for a, a long time. You just never had a title around it, which is fine. Uh, so if you want to start getting paid to speak because anybody can speak. A stage is, you know, you doing videos on social media a stage is you being, you know, you interviewing on a podcast, a stage is just any place where there's an, an audience. I think people um, overcomplicate the word public speaking or a stage. Anything's a stage. And just however you communicate on a podcast or on your social media videos, which I think everybody should be doing videos. That's where you that's that's where you hone that skill in. I look at speaking. So for me, like a boxer, I do reps in order for me to get great. I have to do it every day. So that's why I have a radio show uh, in radio. You learn there's a phrase, no dead air. So while you're talking, you should be able to talk for an hour straight obviously in between breaks, but an hour straight on content to engage an audience. So you have to understand the rhythm of your voice. You have to understand uh, how to increase, you know, decrease and increase the fluctuation of your voice uh, because your voice is heard in beats. Even though people don't disseminate the information that way, they feel it in their heart that way. If you have something impactful to say, and uh, a lot of speakers don't understand how to engage their audience because you have an audience on, on the news that's one way of communicating an audience and you're in your radio show. It's another way. And then your in-person on stage audience is a completely different way of communicating um, and understanding how to tell your story without going too deep into your story. Because the mistake speakers make is it's too much about them. And what I train my clients is when you speak, you should have a, a, a pace of I, me, us, we, you, yours. I, me is you sharing your story. I did this. This is what happened to me. <clears throat> the you yours is the, you know, one of the things you might be dealing with or one of the things that you might be struggling with or your responsibility for it. What it does is it 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 helps you create or I mean, it helps you create authority positioning. But that's the last part. I said, I meet. Let's go to us. Us. We us. We ties in you and your audience. So I started with I me. I did this. Then you go to us. We some of the things we do as humans is we doubt ourselves, right? This, when you're talking to your audience, you're like, yeah, he doubts himself and I doubt myself. Yeah, we doubt ourselves. And that's a, that's a pretty soft approach, which is fine. But sometimes during your, your talk and like a 45 minute talk, you got to get to the you, you, yours. And everybody can't say you in, in uh, one stage. You struggle with this because you're holding, you are holding on to your past and your only way out is to do a, B, and C. And that's where the sales from stage comes into play. But once people can get engaged, like can understand the flow of I, me, us, we, you, yours in a 15 to 20 minute talk, they'll nail it every single time. But it just comes with putting in the reps and practicing. Now, you know, I, I was talking to somebody this morning and we were talking about how somebody, the average American won't think twice about plopping down 1200 bucks for a brand new Apple 13, whatever. But if you ask him to take a coaching class from, say, John Maxwell or Mr. Les Brown or Eric Thomas, they they will not spend that money because they they think that that's a waste of money. So talk to us about, you know, coaches need coaches. You know what I mean? So talk to us about your experience with Mr. John Maxwell and his team. 
I I use John the John Maxwell brand to get me into other corporations. Um, and I've been part of the John Maxwell uh, community probably for about five or six years now. But uh, yeah, I, I used it to utilize their resources because I didn't have any uh, curriculum created when I went into these corporations. So it was it, it was great for me. So when somebody would ask me to come in and they're paying, the corporations pay me 10 to 15 grand and they want to know if I have any um, any syllab any syllabus that their employees can learn from, I don't have to recreate the will. I just go to my the John Maxwell website, put in my information and print stuff out. And I talk to one of the books and that helps me in the corporate space. So my experience with John Maxwell, like the, the Maxwell team has been been fantastic. And I've met some pretty legit people. I've, you know, I've, I've got friends in that group now that travel and, and speak. Many of my clients have come from that group. So it's, uh, it's, I don't think people don't, don't want to spend the money. A lot of people, I didn't know people paid for coaches maybe seven years ago. Um, some people just don't, don't know. And if you're in the industry, you know, but I was 37 before I knew people got paid to speak and people got paid to coach. Like I didn't, I did not know this. So it's, um, it's, it's valuing yourself to want to learn more. And I, and I truly agree. Now, something you said earlier when we first started, uh, we, you started talking about how important branding is. Yeah. I'm a branding guy, you know, like I'm a big sports guy. I've always been a sports geek, you know, like if Michael Jordan would ever come to um, a conference wearing an Adidas, Adidas sweatsuit and Adidas sneakers, I think people would lose their mind because he is pretty much Air Jordan, the face of Nike. So talk to us about uh, what branding actually does and how to do it properly and what not to do in brand. You know, I don't, I, it's not like, you know, how do you shake somebody else's hand? I think you have to find out what it, what it looks like for you and, and what you want your future self to look like. Um, understanding markets, right? I know that, uh, part of my brand, people know that I'm an ex-cop uh, when they hire me to speak at an event. They know I'm prior military. So there's a certain expectation of the way that I look. So that's why I show up sometimes in jeans and cowboy boots. I'm always clean shaven. Um, but that's that's part of my brand. That's that's a staple look for me. Blazer, jeans and cowboy boots. Or I'm in a suit and I wear a certain type of shoe. I wear a certain type of shoe, uh, suit, excuse me. But it's 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 meeting somebody's ex your, your audience's expectation and then exceeding it. Right. Cause you have to play on their psyche and becoming the obvious choice for me. Branding is about becoming the obvious choice. A person can't create a sustainable brand in less than a year. And that's a mistake. A lot of people make when they go into it. Uh, branding is being in a lot of places at the same time. So I'm on social media all the time. I'm so you, you'll, people will see me. They'll hear my voice They're, They'll hear it on radio. Uh, when I go to the gym, I have a certain T-shirt that I wear because it's got my logo on it. Um, you know, branding is more than the logo. It's more than the, the business card. It is what you do with the time that you've that you, you've 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 got. If you're not posting every day on multiple platforms, your brand is not that important to you. Uh, branding could be as simple as and I'm talking about people that are actually that still work for somebody, which is totally fine. Is what do you look like when you show up to work? Right? Who? What influence are you are you leading with? I think leadership is influence, nothing more, not, nothing less. That's a John Maxwell quote. But 
are you able to be recognized? And I was, I do jujitsu and I'm rolling with a guy and uh, this was last week. And he, as we're done, he looks at me, he says, we're, did you work at, you know, so-and-so company? I said, yeah, I did. He said, were you the guy that would all dress real nice and talk to everybody? I said, yeah. I said, man, I remember you from six years ago. And my, my brand then, it matched who I was today. So there wasn't a disconnect. And a lot of people have a disconnect in their brand because they don't, they separate their look from their character. And if you, if people start focusing on their character, um, you know, being just simple stuff, you learn in military, honesty, integrity, loyalty, and service, and being the same person on camera, on air as they are in the kitchen, uh, that's, that's huge for branding and being known for one thing. Like when my name comes across people's desks and they've heard it once or twice, they know that I'm a speaker. They may not know that I do. I'm a voice actor. They may not know I'm a radio show host. They may not know that I that I do some other things, which is fine. But they do know I'm a a a, a speaker. So you have to ask yourself, where do you want to? How do you want to be seen ten years from now? And then starting from day one, week one, year one, work your way up to what year ten looks like. And that's that is in your website. That is in your consistent colors. That is in how you show up. That is. In your voice, voice, you know, I get paid for my voice. I get paid to do audio stuff all the time, but that's part of my brand, right? And and you control the outcome of your brand by controlling the stories that you share. So talk, talking about that, I mean, for a quick second. So yesterday you did a, a great voiceover and commercial gig? Yeah, talk for a company, a company out of, out of Canada. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about that. I think that's pretty exciting. You know, it was. Uh, somebody reached out to me on social media and asked, because they were looking for a certain look to match on somebody else's look on camera. And uh, at first they wanted to know if I would do it for free. And I said, no, I'm like, I'm a radio show host. I don't do any voice, anything for free. And, you know, they did pay me, but it was a good experience, but I've, I've also done it before. It goes into reps, right? So they knew by looking at my social media that I had a voice that the types of voice that they were looking for. And that's why they reached out to me. And I've worked with that company probably three or four, two or three times by now, but that was a, a, it was a good experience. But again, it goes into reps. Four hours of voice acting is not easy for everybody. Had I not been prepping for that day and not that day specifically, but prepping to be able to talk for so long over the last three, four years, I wouldn't have been able to just wake up and do it. But now, because I talk about the same thing all every single day with you know, it's part of my brand it's very easy to do. So yeah, you, you can pay for radio, you can pay for podcasting, you get paid for voiceovers, you get paid to speak on stage, you can pay to you know, teach people to speak. Um, I'm doing a, a branding, somebody called me last week to speak at an event on Friday in Scottsdale. And they said, look, can you just do 30 minutes on branding? I said, yes. And then I'm speaking Saturday and Sunday um, at another event in California. So you just have to be willing to put in the work. Um, and there's a lot of things you're gonna do for free at first, but once you're established, you don't have to do those things for free, but you have to know your value and your uh, worth. And I truly appreciate that. Now, one thing I really do respect you for um, is that you're a great, great husband and uh, you know, yeah. a great husband to my bride. We've been together almost 30 years, but she'll always be my bride. Um, but I see uh, one mistake that I've seen a lot of people make, especially when they start a company, um, they don't ever sit down and have that conversation across the kitchen table with your significant other until crap hits the fan. 
Mm-hmm. Got to have an even harder conversation across the, the table. So talk to us about relationships and also business, trying to make it all work. You know, that's a I think that's a, a great a, a great way to wrap up the segment relationships, because you have to be willing to uh, make that a priority. Um, my wife is my number one. And I'm I'm it's very evident in what I show on social media because that's who I am in person. But um, we had non-negotiables for each other before we got married while we were dating. Um, I had certain expectations that I had of, of, of her. Uh, she had expectations of, of, of me. And we had those hard conversations in the beginning. Um, and then we also built trust, right? Trust, respect for each other. And in, in the first week or two of, of us dating. Um, so it's very easy to have a solid relationship when you've got the right mix of concrete for your foundation. But a lot of people skip the foundation and they want to get straight to the pretty and everything in a relationship isn't pretty, but I do put my wife first and I don't, I don't take, take for granted um, what I can do on social media. Um, But I also focus on her first as it relates to how am I going to show up on stage? Because I never want to be in that position where, uh, I speak at an event and I'm saying, cause I record all my content and I repost the content and she hears something that I say that doesn't align with who I am at home. And a lot of speakers, because I've been in the green room, they just don't have that with their, their uh, spouses, but her and I, we talk every day. We may not see each other every day, but at least on the phone, we, we communicate and we have business meetings, um, uh, once every other week. And, just the small things when we're out, I'm, she's the focus of my attention, right? I'm not, I'm not looking around every, everywhere else. And we make sacrifices for each other. But uh, I, I also learned that, yes, I'm a coach and I'm a leadership speaker and she's a corporate executive. I, I never give her leadership advice because I'm just here to be her husband. Um, I don't ever try to coach her. Why? I'm just here to be her husband. Uh, she, she has a coach. She has a mentor and we like to play. We like to have fun. And we, our thing is racing Ducatis that we were tracking them at least, but that's a lifestyle that we've, we've built, but we also have a game plan and we stick to our game plan. Do I always like parts of the plan? No. Does she always like parts of the plan? No, but we know what we want our life to look like in, in a certain amount of time. So we're very mission focused as it relates to that. So our relationship, I think one of the primary things that, that allows me to, have the respect for her and her for me is I don't ever yell at my vo- my wife. I don't ever raise my voice at my wife. I've, I've never even cursed at my wife or called her out of her name. I don't, I don't get emotional like that ever. And a lot of relationships, you know, they're dropping F-bombs to their spouses. Well, why would you do that? Because somebody, if, if I did that to your wife, you want to knock me out. But we, we, we don't give the respect to them. And one thing I used to hear my mom say to her, her, her clients was, Treat your spouse the way you would treat your boss. And that's so, so huge. I love it. So last question, because I know you've got a lot of stuff to do today. How do we find you? How do we find your book? How do we find your radio show? And how can we support your mission? Yeah, brother. Thank you for asking. I appreciate that. You can find me on uh, Instagram or any social media handle, either Dom Fawcett, D-O-M as in Mary, 
Fawcett, F-A-U-S-S-E-T-T-E. And then um, my radio show is on iHeart. It, it airs every, it's under the Patriot, but it's the Think React Lead radio show uh, on iHeart every Sunday from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Um, and then I also do, I record all of my content, video record my content from the show. So you you can see it on my Facebook every Tuesday, air at nine, or my Instagram is where I post a lot of that stuff. So you can find me, Dom Fawcett or Think React Lead. Uh, and my email or my website's domfawcett.com or thinkreactlead.com. All right. I love it, guys. So there you go. Definitely check them out. Leave a comment on this episode, and we're, we're, we're going to shout you out in the next video. Dom, thank you so much. Um, when you go home, kiss your bride, and have an amazing week, my friend. Thank you, Rich. I greatly, greatly appreciate your time and love what you're doing. God bless you. Same, same to you, sir. Thank you. Hey guys, if you're enjoying our show, if you love what we're doing, if you would like to support us, we have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand new t-shirt line that's coming out, hats, coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support Vertical Momentum and you're always looking to get better. Also, we have our new coffee brand coming out. It's called Vertical Momentum Coffee. It's ass-kicking coffee, and, and it, will, it will get you moving in the morning. So, guys, if you're interested, go to www.richardkaufman.net. Check us out. Leave us a note. Tell us what you'd like, and we'll actually send it to you. The new website is being built. So, if you guys want to, our book is out there on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. Definitely check it out. It talks about my story, but it also talks about how to survive depression, how to survive addiction. All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission, which is to save lives. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.